folks, I got good news and other news. The good news is today is May 29th, 2023. And as far as I know, as far as I know, since I checked the headlines this morning, the oil and gas industry is still holding up its end of the deal in making sure that the world has plenty of affordable power so that uh, nobody, well, so that most people don't have to go without all the things that uh, that we don't like to go without. Now, I know there's exceptions out there in the world, and uh, they, they come under a variety of headings. But for the most part, for the most part, the oil and gas industry is still getting it done. Now, uh, there's also another, I guess, uh, also probably under the heading of good news, although on a completely separate track, today is... Uh, Memorial Day in the U.S. of A. America, and of course that's, um, and I don't know, do other countries, I suspect that other countries have something, some sort of a holiday like this. Um, of course in the U.S., I think I think for a lot of people it's just become that three-day weekend that you get in the spring um, when, in, in, when you know, people do, I don't know, whatever they do on Memorial Day. Maybe they catch up on the yard work, maybe they, you know, do a little barbecue. I don't know, there's probably sports on. I haven't really been paying attention to sports lately, but Memorial Day is uh, that day when we we remember all of the uh, soldiers and other types of uh, uh, you know all, all the people in the military in the U.S. military over over the decades and centuries that have uh, done everything that they've done to make sure that we are still uh, an independent nation. Now, notice that I said independent nation and not a free people because I think I think that's a subject. Uh, for another day, or more likely for an entirely different podcast. Uh, in fact, maybe we'll take that up on Saving the Dream. That's a good idea. We'll put, we'll do, we'll take that. Um, I'll try to find a guest that can speak uh, with some amount of passion on what's the difference between an independent nation and a free people. I mean, there's some obvious differences, but uh, maybe the real question is: Are we are we just one or are we both? Anyway, that's for Saving the Dream. If you're interested in that, uh, you can always tune into Saving the Dream. Uh, you can just you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, the whole bit. However, the easiest thing to do is just go to SavingTheDream.net. Um, and, uh, and please do, because we made the website and I just like, would like to know that occasionally somebody visits the website, but when you go there, you can see that, uh, there's links and then you can link out to, you know, whichever platform you like. All right. Back to Memorial day. Um, Memorial Day, uh, yeah, it's it's that time when we, we remember that. Now, when you host a podcast like this, it's a little bit tricky, right? Because, um, you know, I have an international audience, um, and lest you think I'm Lest you think I have, my ego has run away with me. Actually, all the OGGN shows have international audiences, and if uh, um, and if you're not familiar, if if you're just starstruck by by this particular show and uh, and you haven't checked out the other ones, uh, you can go to OGGN.com and you can see all the different shows. Actually, you can if you listen on Apple, which most people do for OGGN, I think um, you can find find our channel there. Um, but yes, we do have an international audience, and uh, lest you think. That I'm pulling your leg about that. Uh, let's see. I'm going to our live action uh, statistical control center right now. And uh, let's, I'm going to go to this show, which is now Oilfield Ingenuity, formerly known as the Oil and Gas Tech Show. Uh, and, and thanks, by the way, for everybody who's continuing to listen because the reboot has been quite successful. Uh, let's see. All right. So, my last episode. 
the one about refining, which I know was a little random. It's just what was on my mind that day. But uh, let's see. That was episode 172. This one that you're listening to now is going to be 173. And if I look at the geography, let's see. We got people now. Now, most of the listeners are in the U.S., uh, quite a few in the U.K., uh, Canada, Germany, the Russian Federation, Russian Federation. That's a lot of shushes in there. Uh, United Arab Emirates, the, the UAE, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, Japan, Norway, um, Australia, Kuwait, Netherlands, Belgium, Poland, Qatar. This is just the last episode, folks. Brazil, Puerto Rico, Singapore, Austria. Yeah, the list goes on. Oh, there's France. I feel like France should be a little higher up. Those of you who are French out there, you need to share this with your friends because I feel like you should be higher up in the list. All right. Uh, the point is that uh, it's a little tricky sometimes. You know, things that you celebrate in one country are not necessarily a cause for joy and celebration in another country. So we always have to try to be sensitive. But I think that any any country that's got a holiday dedicated to remembering the people that gave their all, and in some cases really did give their give their all uh, for the sake of their country. That's you know that's worth remembering, and we'll and we'll leave the who was right and who's wrong to 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 uh, to the politicians because they're the ones that you know like 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 they're the ones that control everything anyway. So we might as well let them figure out who's right or who's wrong. We're just happy for the fact that we have people uh, who did that. Now here at the uh, and it speaks to another thing which I think is uh, important. Um, you know, especially nowadays in this like modern world, well, I guess really postmodern world. Um, well, you know, I really, uh, I think it's maybe like post postmodern now because I feel like we've moved past postmodern into po- I wonder if I'm the first person to say post postmodern. I'm gonna, okay, we're going to find out together. Here we go. Post postmodern. There's, of course, the definition for postmodernism. Uh, and post postmodern is. Uh, I think I might, oh, no, I'm not. Post, post, my, here it is, right here on Wikipedia. I thought I came up with this. I thought I, I thought I came up with something on my own. But post, postmodernism is a wide-ranging set of developments in critical theory, philosophy, architecture, art, literature, and culture, which are emerging from and reacting to postmodern. All right, I don't have time on this show to uh, get into whether, um, whether, uh, whether, <laughs> I don't have time. We we just don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. But anyway, my point is, is that one of the things that you see happening, especially in the U.S., I don't know about other countries. In fact, I would guess that this is not the case in a lot of other other countries, but maybe some. Um, We we don't have a sense of tradition and formality anymore. You know, we want to be able to wear the like the sloppiest clothes we can. And we want to be able to we don't really want to be obliged to anything that's, you know, historical or traditional or things like that. Um, now, I'm not speaking for everybody. I know I know there's still plenty of people, but I think it's good to, to, to have you got to have some traditions. Tradition, as Tevye says in uh, Fiddler on the Roof is, uh, by the way, he passed away recently. I was really sad to hear that. He was he was great. Um, anyway, he, as he explains, it's, it's what holds them together. It's what gives them purpose. And let's see, the tradition here uh, in the O'Sullivan house, even though, uh, you know, our kids are all grown now and they're all grown, but but they still show up, uh, especially when it's a holiday and the barbecue is going. So we'll be doing that. And uh, also, we at some point later today, we're probably going to be watching either The Longest Day or Sands of Iwo Jima or, I don't know, maybe Green Berets. But, um, um, but uh, and then after that, uh, maybe 
So the thing is, a lot of times you watch some of those movies, you know, they're not very happy. They don't end particularly, particularly happy. And, um, uh, especially Sans of Iwo Jima, you know, when you, you see at the very end, John Wayne is finally feeling good about his life again. And, uh, and then he gets shot in the back on the beach and he's dead and they find the letter in his pocket. And it's like a letter that he had written. He was in the process of writing to his kid who he hasn't, you know, seen in a long time. And yeah, it's very sad, very sad. So after something like that, usually then we have to, we have to reach for something a little bit more lighthearted, something it'll probably either be Kelly's heroes or maybe operation petticoat. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's what happens here. And, um, uh, here's a good idea. If you have any Memorial Day traditions uh, in your family or your friends or you know whatever whatever group of humans you hang out with, uh, send me a note. Tell me what they are, and then like on the next episode, if there's any good ones, uh, then I'll share them with everybody else. But uh, you can always send me an email at michael at oggn.com. I'm pretty sure that still works. So if you try it and it doesn't work. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to tell me. I'll check to make sure that it's working. Uh, send an email. I, I, it'd be interesting to know what are your what are your memorial. Do you have any Memorial Day traditions anymore, or is it just that three day weekend when you when you cut the grass and 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 catch up on housework and things like that? Hopefully, you do something. All right. In other news, you thought I forgot about the news thing, didn't you? Um, in other news, I have here. I have an article. In the Wall Street Journal, or uh, just the journal, as they like to say. You know, I I, uh, I hope that someday I have a podcast uh, that is so well-established and so well-known and popular that you don't even have to call it, you know, like Oilfield Ingenuity Podcast. You can just call it the podcast and everybody will know what you're talking about. That's my, that's my goal. That's my, I want to have a podcast just like, just like the journal, the podcast. Now I know it's a, yeah, it's probably a pretty lofty goal. Uh, but I don't know. I, you know, how long does it take? I mean, how long has the wall street journal been around? I mean, it probably takes a while. Uh, let's see, let's see how long, whoops. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, sorry about the noise folks, but, uh, we got a little, uh, extra uh, remodeling and construction going on here at the, uh, at the studio. Um, Let's see, Wall Street Journal. Here we go. Eight, 1889. 1889. So 150 years. So uh, that's my 100 year. My 100 year goal is that someday you will just refer to it as the podcast. But anyway, back to the uh, the article in the Wall Street Journal. In the journal, here is the headline. And this this caught you know. And 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 again, this falls under the heading of other news because you might you might think this is good news and you might think it's not. Um, I find it, there are certain aspects of this that I find amusing, and I hope that doesn't seem too irreverent, especially, you know, on Memorial Day. Um, Texas, Texas, a clean energy pioneer turns against renewables. Now, there's two remarkable things here. One is um, uh, that Texas is a clean energy pioneer. Not a lot of people don't realize that, but uh, if you have ever driven out to Midland, Odessa, that area, you know that, uh, you know, you think... People think you're going to see, like, the countryside, you know, uh, just, like, made not pretty. <laughs> I, was, I was looking for a word, but all I came up with was made not pretty. People think you're going to just see this uh, this visual pollution of oil wells everywhere, when in fact it's wind farms. <laughs> there are there are windmills for miles and miles, as far as you can see, in all directions. Uh, and uh, But Texas actually has the largest number of windmills, um, solar 
farms, whatever they call those things, uh, battery storage. Uh, it's like, I don't it's the most in the country or the more than the rest of the country combined. I don't know. It probably says in here somewhere. Um, so that's, so that's one thing that people don't always know. Um, and so I guess, I guess there's three remarkable things here. One is that the clean energy pioneer is now turning against renewables. Um, but the third remarkable thing is the phrasing turns against renewables, uh, as if renewables are the obvious protagonist in any story. And now Texas has become the antagonist and turned against our hero renewables. All right. So that's just, that's just the headline. Now, um, some of you may know that I'm, I'm kind of a Wall Street Journal fan, so I like the way they wrote this. There's another version of this article uh, that I found that um, is is um, more comical, but um, <laughs> but but not really as well balanced. Um, so here's what's happening. Uh, oh, here, here's the here's here's how it starts. For many Texas Republicans these days. Renewable power is about as welcome as a porcupine at a nudist colony. <laughs> I, I suppose that is unwelcome. I, although I feel like, is a, is a porcupine more unwelcome just because you're not wearing any clothes? I, I think that, I don't know if wearing clothing, I mean, it's, I suppose it depends on what kind of clothing you're wearing, but, uh, but anyway, um, not welcome in a news calling for sure. All right. In the state capital in Austin. So here's what's happening is this is, uh, um, now this article was written, um, May 26th. So whatever that was Friday, today's the 29th. And I'm pretty sure I read this morning that, that all of this, all this stuff has been passed, although, uh, I've been kind of busy. So, uh, maybe, maybe not, but the, um, the legend, it's the end of the Texas state legislative session. And this is something that they're trying to get done. And, uh, Republicans are targeting wind and solar power with a slate of bills that would clamp down on renewable projects, among other things, adding additional environmental, <laughs> adding additional environmental requirements and excluding them from a state tax break. How the turns have tabled. Uh, Lieutenant Gant, uh, Governor Dan Patrick, is uh, driving the whole thing. And here's, here, okay, so, um, uh, he has called renewable energy a luxury. A luxury. I can't say I completely disagree with that. Um, uh, across the, now here, this is interesting. Across the U.S., renewable energy projects have slowed in part due to local opposition that has thrown uncertainty into previously routine permitting and development. Local opposition. Hmm. People are saying, we don't want this stuff here. It's messing the place up. It's ruining the landscape. We don't like what it's doing to our environment. The foot is on the other shoe. And so, uh, Texas is doing something about it. Now, of course, it's being led by Republicans, and it's obviously going to be cast as a political issue. Um, and the Democrats are, would, will say that the, uh, the, the people are losing their minds. In fact, I think I saw it somewhere here. Called it backward, you know, uh, discouraging and backward-looking and all of these things, which, of course, all depends on which side of the thing you're standing on. Uh, backward, my back, your backward-looking is my forward-looking. So, you know, it's a matter of perspective. Um, but it's, but it's not, it, so you can, you can cast it as a, as a political issue, but it's people, it's people, it's, it's regular citizens that are saying, uh, let's see, here we go. Uh, renewables has become a four letter word. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I don't know why that's funny. Renewables has become a four-letter word, says James King from the legendary King family, uh, a landowner along the Pecos River in Val Verde County where, uh, so King, so this is King Ranch. So those of you, uh, if you've never heard of King Ranch, uh, well, King Ranch is famous because for a few things, one for being King Ranch and another uh, for uh, the King Ranch Ford F-150. If you've ever been uh, sitting behind one of those, you, you might you might have seen that. It's on the tailgate. And also the very famous King Ranch Chicken, uh, which uh, if you've never had King Ranch Chicken, um, well, I don't know. I, I don't think you're really missing that much. I mean, it's a lot of people like it. And I guess if you have to feed a bunch of ranch hands, and it's probably convenient. Uh, you know, for me, it's not terrible, but I would rather, uh, you know, I would just rather have a steak, and uh, which, of course, we've got plenty of in Texas. So I would, personally, I would jump over, I would leap over 10 or 15 lasagna pans of King Ranch chicken just to get to one nice 16 ounce 125 degree prime rib but nonetheless king ranch is famous <laughs> easy for you to say uh let's see uh so what did james king say he said he's a descendant of the founder of king ranch um and uh he supports renewables but he thinks they should be out of bounds in the state's most scenic and wild areas he is placing his own property along the pecos river in a conservation easement permanently limiting the way the land can be used so um and this goes on there's actually uh there's there's a lot of things in here that are kind of interesting uh but it all centers around people you know and there's 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 testimonials from various property owners in various parts of texas who were saying get this stuff the hell away from my property and so uh so you can call it political but the government is supposed to represent the uh, the desires or the interests, at least anyway, of the people, and the people are saying we are not interested in this. Now, uh, the other the other article that I referenced. Um, oh, here's this is good. Uh, if you, this is still in the journal, if you can see a wind farm from your, I think this is still James King saying this. If you can see a wind farm from your property, the value of your land drops. Oh, this is somebody named somebody Bass, something Bass. Anyway. If you can see a wind farm, the value of your land drops, he said, while multi-acre solar farms look like absolute crap. <laughs> and that's what he said. So so the people are saying, enough, we don't want this stuff here. And by the way, the oil and gas, the hydrocarbons are doing a pretty good job of keeping the lights on in Texas. In fact, there was a couple of funny things in this in the other version of the article, uh, which was Houston Public Media. Uh, it's it's funny sometimes to to take the same story and see how two different uh, media publications write about it. It can be very different. So here's a couple of things uh, here in this other article. I'll just just real quick. I'll share this with you. Um, critics say the plans amount to a massive wealth transfer from consumers to the fossil fuel power sector. But a wealth transfer? What you gotta pay? The wind and solar isn't free. We have to pay. Either way, we have to pay. I don't see how it's a wealth transfer. But anyway, and this is my favorite line right here. Energy experts and engineers say that the policies could, in fact, make the grid less... I can't even say this. Hold on. Well, I'm going to compose myself. It could, in fact, make the grid less reliable by reducing the state's power supply. I almost got through it. So... By pushing back on the wind and solar, now we're going to reduce the state's 
power supply. Now, Texas has all the hydrocarbons that we could ever use in a thousand years. So uh, I'm not sure, who, like energy experts say, what experts? What experts say that? These are not experts. Um, all right, that's it. That's it for that. I'm going to, uh, how am I doing on time? Okay, yeah, it's, it's time for me to start talking about the real thing. Now, the real thing is, yeah. I, I've been... Um, I've been working on the plan for this show a little bit, a little bit, because, I mean, this is going to come as a huge shock, but this is not the only thing I'm doing. But I'm trying to work on a good plan for this show, and um, because the first two episodes I just pulled out of um, <laughs> somewhere, and because uh, I needed something. And uh, so you got the one on refining. I thought that was pretty good. That was kind of interesting stuff. And then, of course, you get the first one about... In, you know, the early days. Um, but we want to get into it, you know, like I think I said this last time. I don't want to be just like skirting around these broad issues, the broad breaststrokes, because eventually it'll just be the same conversation over and over again. And nobody wants to hear that. So um, so I was kind of looking at some different ideas and I discovered a book that I have that I forgot that I had. And uh, yeah, turns out uh, turns out that everything that I want to do with this podcast, somebody has already put <laughs> into a book and the book is called and i'm going to tell you what the book is and you can get it if you want although i'm not sure that it's still in print and i'm not sure how i got this copy of it um and and don't worry this is not going to turn into a book study the podcast will not be a book study um because uh because it won't be um However, this book is called Groundbreakers. I think I, maybe I talked about this book one time, a long time ago on the tech show. Groundbreakers, the story of oil-filled technology and the people who made it happen. Okay. Um, uh, and it was written by, written by a couple of industry guys, as I recall. Let's see. Um, Mark Mao and Henry Edmondson in 2015. And if I remember correctly, one of those guys is from... Schlumberger, uh, which, excuse me, uh, now known as Slub. And the other one is from uh, somewhere else. I don't remember. Uh, it's in here. Anyway, their industry. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Mark uh, Mallon. And uh, the other guy is just, just, just a, histori- a business historian and writer, Mark Mal. Henry Edmondson came from Slub. Um, and this book, so. <laughs> Ironically, ironically, this book uh, is basically like the script for the show for, for the next for the next twenty seven years because uh, there's so much in this book that you could, that you could cover and then and then of course you know you got to dig in you got to pull out the topics and then dig in and and find other interesting things to correlate them with um, and not to mention a few witty comments here and there so uh, but this this book goes you know like chapter one. The first wells, early production. Then we go on to chapter two, the roots of petroleum geology, salt dome, spindle top, and then rotary drilling comes in, and drilling mud, and dairy. So then it goes on and on and on and on, and um, and so so again, the word technology doesn't necessarily mean computers, um, but anyway, the, here. So I, I got to spend some time in this book. I guess, and and what I'll do is I'll I'll pull some stuff out of the book, and then we'll look at other things that are happening now, and try to figure out what's going to happen in the future, and that's the idea. But I do want to share with you. There's a, there was a couple of little gems in here. One in the foreword, and one in the preface. So the foreword was written by somebody else, uh, the chairman of BG Group, uh, and the uh, preface was written by the authors, I believe. Anyway, uh, here's a little bit. Here's a little uh, little tidbit from the from the foreword. Um, and as I read this, 
think about where have you heard this before? It would be a mistake, however, to think that technology innovation is a recent phenomenon. Hmm, sounds familiar. From the earliest days, finding and producing oil and gas was fraught with obstacles and danger, and the pioneers were as challenged to innovate as we are today. Remember, I always used to say that. We've been innovating the whole time. Uh, and by we, I know I'm, a, I'm an adopted member of the industry. I'm, I'm, I, say, I say we because I'm, it's, a, it's a spirit of solidarity and, uh, and support and advocacy. So, um, but I, I realize I'm adopted. Uh, let's see. They were uh, challenged to innovate as we are today. They came from all walks of life, from academia, from their machine shops, and sometimes from a life that had previously nothing to do with oil and gas. Well, yeah, because it was new, so there wasn't a whole lot of lives that had anything to do with oil and gas. Nonetheless, and here we go, by ingenuity, perseverance, and luck, these larger-than-life characters, larger-than-life characters. Speaking of which, there's also the other book, which I do remember having, Voices from the Oil Fields. And you may remember that. I used to reference that one quite a bit. In fact, I once did a whole episode on just the guy from Voices the guy with the, um, the, the, oh, what was his name? The, the nitroglycerin guy. That was awesome. Anyway, um, these larger than life characters transformed wild and improbable ideas into viable businesses, many of which still bear their names. As the industry grew, research and development slowly became institutionalized with billions now spent every year, but every exciting idea still has to come from someone's inventive mind. That is what we're going to do here. Um, and at this point, you're thinking, how many intros to episodes are you going to do that are intros to the show before you actually get to the thing? But, you know, I'm working on it. Just, like, bear with me. Like, it's a developing story. Like, I'm trying to bring you along in the thought process. Uh, there's also another little gem here in the preface. Um, and this is good. And here we go. Here we go. Now we're starting to put some, some stakes in the ground. Since the beginning, the beginning, oil field technology has addressed four main challenges. So those of you who are note takers, this is the time to start writing down four main challenges. First is the geoscience challenge of deciding where to drill, deciding where oil and gas is most likely to be found. So that's the first challenge. Uh Oh, am I still recording? Oh yeah, it's going. Yeah, we're still going. All right. So the first, the first challenge, four, four main challenges. Got it. Number one, challenge number one, the geoscience challenge of deciding where to drill. Challenge number two, uh, then, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm editorializing and reading at the same time. It's not going well. All right, then comes the challenge of drilling, 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 deep boreholes to see what's down there. A dangerous business because pressures in the subsurface can so easily get out of control. Yes, we have some terrible stories about that, but nonetheless, somebody had to find that out the first time and decide what to do about it. So, uh, dangerous business. So first we got to figure out where the oil and gas is. Then we got to decide, then we got to actually drill. Um, and after that, the challenge is assessing the size of the oil or gas reservoir. (laughs) Easy for you to say. The challenge is assessing the size of the reservoir, uh, uh, that the drill bit hopefully encounters. So anyway, so you're drilling an exploratory well, exploration well. Some people don't realize that. Not all the drilling is for the purpose of pulling stuff out of the ground. Sometimes just to figure out like what, you know, what you're doing. It's kind of like, um, uh, what's, 
<laughs> the analogy is escaping me. You know, when you poke around to figure out, is it here? Is it here? Is it here? So, uh, so there's that. And, uh, and why do you have to assess the size? Well, because the whole, the economics come into play, right? So, um, if we, if we say, yes, this is where we should drill and we drill an exploration well and some oil comes out. And so then we bring in the, we bring in the real stuff and we spend, you know, millions and billions or whatever dollars. And we go, all right, drill here. We drill, we drilled a little bit here. Some stuff came out and we spent all that money. And then two days later it stops producing and you go, well, well, <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta assess the size. You gotta, you gotta know, and you gotta have to understand what the economics and 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 how that's all gonna work. Which, by the way, is all part of you know that whole thing about abundant and affordable energy. Well, all of this goes into that. You know, it's not affordable just because um, it's just sort of naturally affordable. It's affordable because I mean, it's hella expensive to get it out of the ground, um, but it's affordable because people have figured out all these ways of making it uh, efficient and, and you know, how to produce it in a way that it is affordable. Now, um, finally, <laughs> and the note takers are like, wait, are we on number three? Are we on number four? <laughs> so there was the, the geoscience problem, figuring out where to drill. Then there's the actual you know, drilling. Um, well, not the actual drilling, the, the exploratory drilling uh, to figure out so that you can then assess the size of the whole thing and figure out, is it going to be worthwhile? Uh, and then finally, once a reservoir has been found, there remains the challenge of producing the maximum amount of oil and gas to the surface and into the waiting pipeline. Just because you found a big bucket of oil doesn't mean it's all going to just come right out and, and jump into your pipeline. So uh, so all those, um, since the beginning, since the beginning, oil field technology has addressed these four major challenges. Now, um, and that's it. That's oil field ingenuity uh, in a nutshell. And so, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to look at, at, at some of those things and understand how people solve these problems. Now, we're not going to do it today because it's, uh, did I just whistle when I said solve these problems? I'm sorry about that. Oh, I think I just did it again. Uh, anyway, as you know, there's only one take in the show. We don't, we don't, we only do one take and we don't do any editing. So you get what you get. Uh, 27 minutes in, you know, I, I took you a little long. Uh, I took you a little long the last time. So, um, so this time I'm going to, and, and by the way, thank, <laughs> even though I went, ran, ran a little long last time, most of you really still listened pretty much near the end. It's, it's remarkable. So, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let you out of school early today and, uh, or on time as the case may be. And in the meantime, in the meantime, now here's another thing. I did give a homework assignment last time and I said, um, I said, you know, send me an email with ideas about what you think we should do on the show, um, what you think is good, what you think is bad. I don't know. Send me just anything. You know, sometimes it's just nice to hear from people. So, um, and I'm, 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 I'm dismayed. I'm dismayed to say that none of you did that. So, uh, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an extension, you know, like when you get a school assignment and nobody's got it done yet. So the teacher says, all right, all right, I'll extend the due date until next Wednesday. So I'm going to give you an extension, but uh, but I do want to hear from folks. And you know what else is great is if you go out and like leave some reviews and click the little star ratings and stuff like that, all of that helps to... 
all that helps to drive to build the audience and make it more, more worthwhile to do this. All right, that is going to wrap it up for today, folks. And uh, like I said, happy Memorial Day if you're in the U.S. Now, when you hear this, it won't be Memorial Day anymore. But in any case, I hope you had a happy one.